Hey, 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 y'all. Welcome to my podcast, Minority Youths on the Italian Small Screen. Today, we are going to talk about representation. I thought a good way to start this episode would be to talk about the racial composition of Italy. You know, so you can get a clearer picture of how Italy looks like through its demographic, so we can paint a nice, pretty picture. But I hit a bit of a snafu when it came to trying to procure this information. Italy is among some of the countries that actually doesn't collect any racial or ethnic data. This information brought me a little bit to a standstill. How can a country not care about how its citizens look like or its racial composition? One, I had to check myself for making the assumption that this is the norm. I also decided to go to the second and third pages of a Google search, which, you know, apparently is a sacrilege. And I came to the educated consensus that about 10% of the Italian society is of foreign origin. Furthermore, this has helped me to arrive at my first point about cultural proximity and how it relates to this statistic. Let me leave you with this Mili Buonanno quote to introduce you to this idea a bit, and then I will break it down for you. A system of storytelling that only in part feeds on native imaginary can raise serious doubts concerning its requisites of cultural proximity with respect to the national public it serves. To make the long story short here, the idea of cultural proximity basically means that you're going to most likely watch something that you can relate to or understand the cultural references or jokes that they might be making because you're living that life. So the idea of representation is directly related to cultural proximity because you as an audience member will be more willing to watch something if you can relate to the protagonist in the show because it relates to different aspects of your life. So take, for example, if I was a mother, not in this realm or time, maybe in a distant future, but nonetheless, I'm a mother, and there's a show about mothers. I might actually take a look and, you know, want to watch the trailer or watch the TV show just because the protagonist might have some experiences that are relatable to me as an audience member. Therefore, I'm going to watch it because it's culturally proximate to what my experience or what my life is. So the idea of representation in media has been one that has grown tremendously over the past couple of years. And people really want to see themselves within the characters of their TV show because it's not every day you want to be living a fantasy. Sometimes you just want to be able to experience life and see what it might look like in a different reality. If you have been paying attention to Italian news or happen to be into Italian TV or just perusing through Netflix, you've probably heard of the show called Zero. Zero was the first Italian show to have a predominantly black Italian cast with a script written by a black man and directed by an Indian man. The writer Antonio De Kelle Di Stefano, an author who has written six novels, wanted to represent the seconde generazione experience through the lenses of commonalities. He didn't write it as an anti-racism manifesto, as he puts it, but rather a way of connecting with people. 
especially with people who might not have representation typically within the Italian media. As I have previously mentioned, the Seconda Generazioni have only recently started to gain attention within the media and Italian studies. When we think about representation of a country, especially through media, the hope is to show a reflective experience of the individuals within that society. Zero serves as an answer to the missing gaps in Italian television, but also to the missing representation for all the children of immigrants whose stories are reflected in the show. Antonio De Keller Di Stefano is of Angolian descent, who has a seconde generazione experience, delivering something familiar to an audience whose representation has often been left to the wayside. All the TV shows I've chosen for this study represent the few shows which have people of color or different representations of the Italian youth which fall outside the norm. These shows provide the representation for the minorities in Italy, an approximate representation of their experience. Representation matters, but how does it happen is a true question. There are different aspects of representation to consider, like race, sexuality, gender, immigration status, and ethnicity. We will be looking at all these different aspects in the shows, but I want to pull out a couple aspects, specifically race and gender. They are a key role to how representation happens. I watched five different series for this project, and out of them, Four of the main protagonists had female identifying leads. This is very important to know because of the implications of gender and the way the different representations is perceived between the heteronormative binary genders. The fact of the matter is that female identifying characters are more likely to be representative in a more positive light more so than their male counterparts, which is due to the perceptions that separate the genders. Research regarding the so-called second generation in Italian media, even if it's still scanty, confirms that young boys and foreign parents are often portrayed in emergency discourses about microcriminality and so-called baby gangs, and therefore are faced every day with such representation and with the stereotypes and prejudice associated with them. When compared to that focus on boys, research on girls is less frequent, but it emerges that girls are often only if involved in media and star system. Singers, athletes, models exalted for their body and their exotic beauty, or in news stories as victims of patriarchal families, restrictive religions, and trafficking of women. Daily stories of young girls born or living in Italy with migrant backgrounds are rare and presented as exceptions, and more generally, young girls are rarely represented in media discourse about Italian youngsters. This is letting us know that the society perceives minority males as criminals, while female youths have a wider scope of either being a victim or being praised for talent slash beauty. This is going to be very important in the framing of this episode because it is important to understand why these characters are a majority female whilst putting that in conversation with the way that their representation is being presented. Let's dive a little further into the aspect of gender. Earlier in this episode, we talked about Zero, an Italian show with a majority black cast. Something that is also particularly unique here is that the main protagonist is male, which is the only male protagonist that we have in all the shows that I've chosen. We have a different approach to this show than the others, as male-identifying characters are often not displayed as protagonists because of their antagonistic relationship with the media. Males are portrayed as criminals, 
baby gangsters, or troublemakers. I want to say that Zero was able to escape from this trope to deliver a great series, but sadly, this was not the case. Don't get me wrong, the series is still something that is good, but we constantly have to use these tropes to deliver an experience which is relatable. The Black characters are painted in an evil and criminal light, especially towards the beginning of the season by police. The show does this, in my opinion, to expose the stereotypes of the police more so than the show actually demonizing the Black bodies. This is an important distinction because employing the stereotypical tropes that are seen is another layer of proximate experiences for the audience. This is very similar to the actual experience of the Seconde Generazioni and the frequent police stops that happen to these minority youths due to their skin color, which is further amplified by the presence of gender. We especially see this happen to the males of Zero, who are treated much differently than their female counterparts. We will dive deeper into the implications of the demonization of these bodies in one of the upcoming episodes. But I want to give you an idea about how gender so heavily influences the representation that we see throughout the programs. I don't know if you've come to this conclusion already, but I set all of this up to say that the female body is more easily digestible in the media than the male body due to the fact that males are often characterized as no good people, to be honest. Within this scope, let's think about race slash ethnicity. This is another framing tool we will use to understand appearances and the stories of characters because their race is also a tool that is used to inform the caricatures that is built within these plots. Just a reminder about Luna Nera. It's a show about a girl who has been demonized because she is a witch and is forced to escape when her grandmother is burned at the stake. She is soon accepted into a secret witch coven which keeps her and her siblings safe for a while. Ada here is a black female and the only minority protagonist in the whole entire show. And this is very important to the analysis that I take. Race is a powerful tool in this series. Here we see the employment of race as a tool for isolation. Ade, or the actor Antonia Fortadas, is the singular black actor in this whole entire series. Well, I already said we only have one in each series. When we think about the manipulation of race throughout history, Race was and is still used as a construct to gain superiority and to create systems of oppression. In my interpretation of the use of race, I see that the employment of her race is used as a way to demonize her and to separate her not only from the general society that condemns her, but also to employ her race as the only thing that differentiates her from the other witches in the coven. So not only are we seeing her being departing from the regular society because she's a witch, we also get a degree of separation between the witches that she's in because of her race. So this makes Ade like a standalone character, which is very thought-provoking. The most infuriating moment is probably the last scene of the entire series when she is seen to seemingly fall to the evil spirits in her. They had already separated her from the other white witches when they were glorifying her sibling, Valente, in the final scenes. Instead of drawing Ade closer to the other witches because she just saved most of them from death, they utilized lighting to juxtapose her race to drive this degree of separation. They used darkness to almost heighten her dark features in order to highlight the glorious might of the other sibling who is white with the other white witches. 
Let's take a look at this quote from the article written by Annalisa Fricina and Camilla Hawthorne in their article, Italians with Veils and Afros, Gender, Beauty, and Everyday Anti-Racism of the Daughters of Immigrants in Italy. Visuality is not a neutral medium by which objective information about race is transmitted. Indeed, there is no such thing as a racially neutral image. Instead, the way we see the world is itself already a racial formation that circumscribes bodies within particular regimes of truth, guilt and innocence, beauty and ugliness, citizen and outsider, risky and safe. Race is a mechanism in the representation of these characters. They are not simply placed there by accident. It is used to inform the story. Race is a powerful tool because it does more than just describe the skin tone of a person. Another example of how race is entangled with beauty is when it is used to enhance the perception of Summer, the main protagonist of Summertime, who is a Black woman. I think the perfect example of this is when Ale first encounters Summer. He not only uses her race to identify her, but to also emphasize her beauty. Hmm. This is a blatant example of how race is employed, especially pertaining to the body of women. Let me break this down a little bit. Her race here is used as a moniker and a descriptive way to identify her. While all the other characters have different aspects about them, which are used to describe them. Also, the way they use language here fetishizes her body. And because once again, Summer is the only black main character in the show, so rather than use things to describe her like her hair, clothing, voice, or other things that are simply, you know, more descriptive of a person, they utilize race here because it's the easiest thing to choose. This also speaks to the exoticization of the black female body that we often see in Italian studies, specifically from periods of Italian imperialism. Earlier, we discussed a quote about how women are often presented in these shows. They are often shown as objects of obsession for the gaze of the audience. But I think it's important to note that, especially with the case of Summertime, Summer is the only main Black protagonist, like the only one, which enhances the beauty and the exoticness that the programming displays, especially with Ali's attraction to her. This method of representation uses beauty slash exoticness to further isolate the character and objectify the body of these young women. One last way I want to talk about this representation is who actually is presenting this and why its portrayal might be done in a specific fashion. I brushed over the large adaptation culture during when I was giving history, but I want to take into account production and how it has a lot to do with representation on the screen. Italy has a very transnational approach to television creation, and a great example of this is Scam Italia. This show has more of an interesting journey, more so than the other shows I've chosen. No offense to y'all, you're still great. Scam Italia is an adaptation of an original Norwegian TV show called Scam. Obviously, the name was not changed too much, I think this has something to do with the adaptation culture and how it exists and how there can be similarities being drawn, especially within the informal adaptation culture by fans. But then you have the actual adaptation or the formal adaptation done by a company. 
I wanted to pull some quotes so you can get an idea of what the adaptation, the production of Scamitalia was like. I know you're probably asking yourself, once again, Janice, why does this matter? It is important because it goes to show who the presenters of these adaptations are and the audience's participation with them. So in turn, this impacts the representation of these characters. Let's take a look at this quote. Now we are going to be hearing from Luca Bara, one of the authors of the paper. Scamitalia has plots and characters which are at the same time familiar and new, and so it is able to keep the spirit of the Norwegian original, but at the same time also to bend the narrative according to a local perspective. Uh, it has been developed originally within a public service production culture. Uh, in, Nor in Norway, it wanted to use audience engagement and emotional investment as a means of generating debate and reflect the interests of popular enlightenment. Uh, in its uh, Italian adaptation, this has been kept up to a point in a different distribution system and model that changed all over the several seasons uh, from Team Vision to Netflix, from free-to-air to premium pay access and so on, from instantaneous release to a day and date where all the episodes have been available on the platforms. Even with uh, some changes in the acting and in the directing style, uh, Scam Italia also highlights the feeling of intimacy through the closeness to faces and bodies, uh, through a very careful uh, casting of actors, uh, thus helping to build uh, an emotional realism, which is a very important aspect of the series uh, and of its Italian adaptation. is talking about the impact of the presentation of the series and how Scam Italia's production, directing, and acting was all done that would create a more realistic connection for the audience. I think it's very important to look at the style of representation, especially as I highlighted earlier, how the presenter wants you to connect with the material slash characters they are presenting to you is the key and honestly the crux of the media entertainment industry. They want you to relate to the people you are seeing. In Scam Italia, we have the representation of a minority religion in Italy, which in this case will be Islam. We are presented with a hijabi named Sana. She hangs out like any other Italian team. She is presented in this humanizing way, and I particularly think Islam here is displayed in a manner that is often not seen. The series does a good job of touching on the bullying that she receives because of her religion, but on the flip side, it shows how she practices her faith and the way she navigates this alongside the qualms of being a teenager. This representation is especially important as we often see the negative media attention about how these females are victims or are oppressed because of their religion. Especially with the victimization that we see with female characters, it is particularly interesting that they make Sana such a strong character, one that stands up for herself and is actually a leader with amongst her group of friends. Through the show's representation, we are able to see a softer version of the religion 
and the way it empowers an individual rather than taking away from them, as it's often seen, especially with females. That's a wrap on this episode, folks. Coming next week, we will be speaking about the white savior complex and its place in Italian television. I'm really excited about this episode, and I hope to see you there. See you next week. Thank you.